Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. Listen. Do you hear it? Listen. For all there is to hear is quieter than a single snowflake falling on the A. Afiala Glacier or on the burnt-out slopes of Hagler at the first onset of our Iceland winter. Soundless, yet it falls. And another, and another, and a thousand thousands, each one soundless, falling onto a ground made ready for them by the dying of the year. So it is with the seed of strife. Listen, nothing, yet unheard, unfelt, it drops upon a ground prepared by some uncomprehended misadventure of our making the hearts of men and women. There it germinates. It grows by imperceptible degrees into a mighty tree. Its trunk is bones. Its leaves grey tattered skin. Its sap is blood. Its fruit the bodies of the dead. Its seeds revenge to plant and make a hundred like itself. Alone in this hard land, where any woodland tree can scarcely live, the tree of strife strikes root and flourishes. The tale we have to tell is one of killing that could not be stopped, of men who tried to stop it. Gunnar, slow to anger, Njal, his friend. Such men with patience, generosity, tenacity, with all the craft and understanding they could bring to bear, upheld the rule of law against the rule of blood. Till they themselves were killed in the attempt. It is a tale of killing that at last grew tired, that ended only when a kind of madness was exhausted. The Tree of Strife, dramatized by David Wade, from the Icelandic saga, The Burning of Njal. With Bernard Hepton as Njal, Struan Roger as Gunnar, and Norman Rodway and Barbara Jefford as the narrators. Part one, Gunnar slow to anger. There was a man called Merv Giar, Merv the Fiddler, who was the son of Sigvat the Red. Merv was a powerful chieftain living at Verl on the Rang River Plains in the far southwest of Iceland. He was also a very experienced lawyer, so skillful indeed that no judgment was held to be valid unless he had taken part in it. He had an only daughter called Un. She was a good-looking, refined, capable girl and was considered to be the best match on the Rang River Plains. Some distance to the north and west of the Rang River, in the Breithjafjord Dales, a man called Huskold Dala Colson lived at Huskolstead in Lax Riverdale. He had a half-brother called Hrut Hörjolfsson, who lived at Hrutstead. It was Root who was to marry Un, the daughter of Merv Gia. 
marry, but not keep her. O Hrut, son of Heriolf, O Un, Merth's daughter, could you have known how many men of Iceland by your parting would in the end be parted from their lives? It happened that on one occasion, Herskold held a feast for all his family and friends. Hrut was there sitting next to him. Herskold had a daughter, Halgert, who was playing on the floor with some other girls. She was a tall, beautiful child with long, silken hair that hung down to her waist. Herskold called her to him, and she went to him at once. Her father tilted her chin and kissed her, and she walked away again. Then Herskold said to Hrut, What do you think of her? Do you not think she is beautiful? Hrut made no reply. I said, what do you think of her? I heard you. I think the child is beautiful enough. Many will suffer for her beauty. And I cannot imagine how thief's eyes have come into our kin. Brother, I do not invite you to my house that I should be insulted. Oh, Halgert, Hoskul's daughter. Halgert, silken hair. Halgert, long legs, tall and beautiful, child with the thief's eyes. How many men of Iceland would have lived out their lives had you not grown to womanhood? These things we tell of happened in the years before the gospel came to Iceland. They happened just before the year 1000 since the birth of the Lord Christ. The seed of strife was waiting in the ground that day when Halget Longlegs played within her father's hall. It germinated on the day when Un, the daughter of Mervgir, now by divorce the former wife of Hrut Herjolfsson, rode to see her kinsman, Gunnar Haumundarsson. There's an Un. It is a pleasure to see you here at Tlidrendi. It is a pleasure for me, too. But I doubt if you've travelled all the way from Verl purely for my company, or even to talk to me of your father, happy as I am to be reminded of a man such as Murt Gear. No, you're right. So? Well, now that I must do so, I, I am reluctant to tell you the purpose of my visit. Well, I shall not press you, but if you seek my help, I shall give it to the utmost of my ability. I had expected no less of you. The truth is that I am penniless. Penniless. I know what you must think. My father left me well provided for. It is all gone. The whole estate of Verl? Not quite as bad as that. I have the land, the houses and some personal possessions. For the rest, it is sold and the money spent. I... I want you to recover my diary from Hoot Herjolson. I see... Didn't your father try to do that at the time of your divorce? Yes. Well, I hardly think I can succeed where he failed. But Shrewd relied on force, not law. Surely you remember? No. He challenged my father to a duel, challenged an old man who could not possibly have beaten him and whom we persuaded not to try. I, uh, of course. I believe my father told me. Well, nevertheless... It... Gunnar, there is no one else in my family to undertake this claim if you lack the courage to do it. It is not a matter of courage. The fact is, I am not a lawyer. I do not know how the claim should be revised. Oh, I can tell you that. Go and see your friend at Bergfoxwall, old Beardless. Un, I do not care that anyone, and least of all my own kin, 
should speak of Nial Thorgerson in that fashion. But everybody speaks of him in that fashion. Not everybody, and never in my presence. Nial cannot grow a beard. What of it? He has fine sons and daughters too. He is this island's greatest lawyer, a just man, a man who sees into the future, one of the wise. Oh, forgive me, I, I meant no offence. It is because he is a lawyer and a wise man that he, above all others, will know what should be done. You'd better tell me precisely what you want. Certainly I will advise you, Gunnar, as well as I am able. But I wonder if you know what you have undertaken. Un was frank with me. Did she tell you that her claim is for the entire marriage settlement? Not just the dowry, but the husband's portion too. A sum of more than 220 marks. She did. And did she tell you why? No, I did not think to ask. You see, the circumstances of her divorce have left her bitter, vengeful, you might say. Well, now, I have heard it said that Ruth Herjolfsson sees himself as much humiliated by the whole affair. The rumour is he could not satisfy his wife. <laughs> now, listen. You know, perhaps, that Hroot deferred his marriage and went off to Norway to claim the estate of a long-lost kinsman? I remember hearing something of the sort. Well, then, he sailed to Oslofjord and laid his claim before King Harald Greycloak, who received it coldly enough. Ah, so he came back with no inheritance. No wonder he's reluctant. No, far from it. The old queen, Gunhild, took up his cause in return for certain favours. <laughs> <laughs> and she prevailed upon her son to grant Hrut the entire estate. Now, after three years, he decided to return to Iceland. She attempted to dissuade him, and when she could not, she laid a curse upon him. A curse? That would prevent him from enjoying the one woman on whom he had set his heart. Which it did. Well, Hrut came home, married your cousin... And within a short time, it turned out that they could not find in one another the pleasure they had anticipated. So what they say... No. No, there was no lack of manliness in fruit. Rather the reverse. Well, what then? <laughs> Some curious incompatibility of the flesh. <laughs> Un certainly said nothing about that. No. And Gunnar, I am only telling you this so that you may see the delicacy of your task. If fruit suspects... He might attack you. And not he alone, but his half-brother also. Herskuldala Colson. Mm. Aye. A formidable man. What do you advise? Uh, tell me, do the brothers know you by sight? I doubt it. I have no reason to visit Lax Riverdale. I haven't seen them since I was a boy. Good. Then I will put to you the plan that seems to me most promising. Now, this is what you must do. Set off as soon as possible, taking with you two companions, and being careful to disguise your appearance. Ah, there is no difficulty about that. I make out you're a hawker. Uh, Heedin the Mighty from the north, say, Eyjafjord, <laughs> uh, with handiwork for sale. And let the goods you offer be of poor quality, but insist they are faultless. And quarrel with whoever contradicts you. <laughs> now ride down Lax Riverdale and draw as much attention to yourself as possible. Hroot is sure to offer you a lodging. Hroot did as Njal had said. He was delighted with his surly guest. And all the more so when, after supper... Talk turned upon the men of Iceland. 
Hyedin the Mighty steadfastly refused to hear a good word said of any of them. Do men know what you think of them? I have never hidden it. And yet you live to tell the tale? Have you been on the Rang River Plains? Often. There are some fine men there, surely. Your father-in-law, Mergia. Since he died, there hasn't been a man to fill his shoes. What makes you say that? Well, Merth Gear was a clever fellow and a fine lawyer, a lawyer of experience and subtlety. You couldn't find fault with him. Tell me, Hawker Hiddin, are you at all familiar with my own dealings with that man? Certainly I am very familiar. When your former wife, his daughter, asked him, he took her from you and there was nothing you could do. You find it no fault in him that he failed to recover her diary, even though he himself brought the action? Any fool knows the answer to that. You challenged him to a duel, him an old man. When he refused, as you knew full well he would, you were able to throw his claim out of court. <laughs> Let no man say this fellow minces his words. <laughs> Yes, my friend, I threw it out. And you know what? Everyone assumed it was the law. Which it was. Well, wasn't it? But you know anything about the law? Well, they used to think so in the north. Oh, did they? Well, Yedin, if you know as much about the law as you so obviously do about the men of Iceland, I can safely tell you that the claim could easily have been revived if Merth, great lawyer though he was, had known how to do it. Is that so? Will you surprise me? Look, mind you, I doubt if anyone could do it now. Do you? Do you believe they could? Oh. I mean, not that it concerns me in the least, being from the North. No more it does. Well, then, in view of that, and since you're such a particular student of the law and have been so frank with us, I'll tell you, shall I? Well, it's as you please. But then listen. A summons must be made either in my hearing or at my legal residence. A summons? Well, any summons? No, by no means. There's a prescribed form of words, ah. which, as you may well imagine, I have by heart. Oh, now, that's a thing I'd really like to hear. Would you? Well, why not? Now, it goes like this. You, whoever it may be, in this case myself, you, Ruth Herjolfsson, are hereby summonsed in due form to appear before the Althink next to be convened, where it meets at Thinkvelia... No, wait, 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 wait. You're going much too fast. Let me say it after you. Well, that way I'll get it right to tell them in the north. By all means. Let's begin again. I can remember the beginning. Uh, you, whoever it may be, in this case myself, you through... No, 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 no. You'll never summons anyone like that, my legal wizard. Now, say the words exactly after me. You... Ruth Herjolfsson are hereby summonsed. You, Ruth Herjolfsson, are hereby summonsed. In due form to appear before the Althink next to be convened. By this means, word for word, in front of witnesses, Gunnar spoke the summons which obliged his unsuspecting host to come before the Althink. But in the court, the wily Ruth resorted to a stratagem which threatened to destroy the case against him. When Gunnar heard this, he spoke up. Do you hear me? We hear you. Let all present be witnesses that I challenge you 
Groot Hayorsson to single combat to be fought today on the islet here in the Oxa River. But if you refuse to fight me, you must pay up all the money at once. I will go to my booth and await your answer. Never in all my life, brother. Never have I refused a challenge. So you have already said. What do you wish me to do? Shall we return the money our friends and kinsmen have contributed? Shall I go to Gunnar and tell him that you now intend to fight? If that is what you wish, then I shall do it. But let me repeat. You have no more chance against Gunnar Halmundersson than Mardia had against you. I know that. This is his booth. Well? Ah, let us go in and pay. Hmm. Gunnar Halmundersson, my brother Ruth and I would like to speak with you. I am here. We have the money. Take it. And may it serve you in the manner you have earned it. It will serve my cousin well. Her claim was just. Trouble will be your only reward. That's as must be. Brute, we have done what we came for. Gunnar, we will leave you. They have paid then. No. Yes, they have paid. And we have you to thank. Perhaps. Certainly you will gain great credit by it. I hope so. Now I shall take the money to my cousin. She is sure to offer you a portion for yourself. Have you thought how much you should accept? Yes, I will take none of it. Why not? There would be no dishonor. No, but I will have more claim upon Un and her household should I ever need it. What makes you think you might? No reason that... What is it? Do you think I might? Gunnar, word has come to me that Valgart of Hof has asked your cousin's hand in marriage. What? That fox? The same. She has said nothing of this to me. Nor I think to any of her kin. What does this mean? Have I pursued her claim at risk to myself only so that she should have a double dowry to marry the likes of Valgart? So it seems. Oh, my life. If he is to be my kinsman now, I may need all the claim upon the others I can get. The fox is not the one we have to fear. Who then? I am thinking of the cub. <laughs> yeah, my dear friend. You may be a prophet, but you go too far. There's not a marriage even, let alone a child. And like enough, there never will be either. But there will. Oh, yes, there will. First the one and then the other. Un will marry Valgart and give birth to Mirth. Mirth, the envious, the mean-spirited, the destroyer. Mirth of Horf. But that is all to come. In the meanwhile, Gunnar prospers. A ship commanded by Halvarth the White puts in for the winter, which Halvarth spends at Gunnar's invitation with him on his farm at Kilderendi. There in the long dark nights, the sailor conjures up bright visions of warmer, kinder lands.
so Gunnar and his brother Kolskek with him sailed with Halvard the White and were away from Iceland three whole winters. In the third spring after their departure, laden with the spoils of battle, bathed in high renown, they made landfall in the estuary near Arnabaili. Across the great flat of the Land Isles, towards the rise of Bergthorskvoll, lying like a low rock, a refuge in an empty ocean. There they found old Njal, his wife Bergthora, and their sons. <laughs> and what's this fine fur cap you're wearing? I never saw one half so fine. I had it from King Harald at Hatterbeer. It is Russian. Ah. Yeah, what my brother doesn't tell you is that Harald Gormson also gave him his own robes, a pair of gold-embroidered gloves and a gold-studded headband ah. into the bargain. And that great bracelet on your arm, Gunnar, was that his gift as well? No, Bakthura. Earl Haukon gave me that at Trondheim. On my word, the pair of you you kept such company, I wonder you still speak to us. <laughs> Gunnar, let them see the halberd. Ah, yes. Now... I treasure this above everything. He won it from Halgrim the Viking in the battle near Ursel Island. Uh, a fine weapon. They say that when it is about to kill a man, it makes a ringing sound. But I killed its former owner, and I'll swear it did no ringing then. <laughs> I'd swear no such thing. There was such a racket, Vikings all around us, it could have rung like all the bells of Christendom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but enough of us. What of you all? Nial, you've kept my farm so well, I wonder you've had time for yours. Oh, you forget, I have three sons. Four now, as it's turned out. Four, but... But, Thora... Oh, forgive me, surely... No, no, no. The fourth is none of my doing. At my age, what are you thinking of? No, we had him ready-made. When Helgi married the daughter of Asgrim, Elida Grimson, her brother Thorhall also came to live here as our foster son. I'm teaching him the law. None of my other rogues is any good at it, eh, Skarpjadeen? We have to have at least one lawyer to come after me. After you, Father, half a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, change is everywhere. Eh, hey, Kolskek? Very true. And Helgi, you were married? Why not? Is it a crime? At least I held out longer than my brothers. <laughs> what? Scarpier Dean, you? And Grim as well? Both of us. Doesn't it show? Now you're back home, Gunnar, I've no doubt you'll be joining us. Perhaps, Grim, but I have no plans. <laughs> you'll find that plans have nothing much to do with it. Thank you, Njal, as ever, for your hospitality. You do not have to thank me, Gunnar. But listen, there is a thing I must ask you. Yes? The late king of Norway, Harald Greycloak. What became of his mother? His mother? Gunnhild, who cast the spell on Hrut. Ah, she died as well. Did she? What is it? Oh. <laughs> I see. Oh, rest easy, Njal. No witch has cast a spell on me. Perhaps it would be better for you if she had. What do you mean by that? I... I'm not sure the words came into my mouth. Ah. Talking of Groot, what news of my cousin, Un? Oh, yes. Soon after you left, she gave birth to a son. Oh, I'm glad for her. What did they call him? Merthe. After her father. Old Merv Gea. That's good. A fine, upright man. The likeness ends with the name. Oh, come now. A child of barely three. How can you tell? I can't tell. Gunnar, before you go, before Kolskek joins us, there is another thing. Listen carefully. I am listening. 
You have had great adventures. You have been put to the test, but that is only a beginning, for such is your reputation now that there are many who will envy you. My only wish is to be on good terms with everyone. You will often be forced to defend yourself. Then I must see to it that I have justice on my side. Which you will, as long as you do not have to suffer for the actions of others. What others? What do you mean? No. Tell me, do you intend to go to the Althink? Naturally. Don't you? No. And I wish you would not do so. Why didn't Jarl advise you not to come? No idea. We could hardly have done better. So it seems. Nothing else, because our Danish clothes put everybody else to shame. <laughs> oh, Kuskek, you dandy. <laughs> so that's why you came, is it? Well, I can't deny it altogether. But no, it's turned out as I knew it would. Men from far and wide are glad to hear of your adventures. Our adventures? Yes, but it is you they come for. It all adds to your reputation. Well, I hope it does. Although, to tell the truth, it's a privilege to have an opportunity like this. A privilege and a pleasure to tell so many brave and worthy men of things that interest them. Good day to you, Gunnar Haumundason. Oh, forgive me. I never thought to startle such a warrior as you. Kaske, who are these women? I never saw them in my life, but the tall one seems to know you. Apparently. Lady, is there something I can do for you and your friends? For them, I doubt it. For me... Well, now. Try me. I was going to. Tell me, would it also be a privilege, a pleasure even, to tell a mere woman of things that interest her? Why, yes, if it is within my power. Come, please, sit over here. The rest of you can find some other entertainment. This is not for you. Off you go. Oh. oh. Come with us. Do other women always do as you command them. Oh, yes. And men, too. I see. Uh, what is your name? I am Halga. I am Herskuld Dalla Kolson's daughter. Halga? Then Hrut Hjolfsson... Is my uncle. Does that alarm you? By no means, but perhaps you do not know what has passed between him and me. I know it perfectly. If anyone should be alarmed, it is Hrut. Oh, brother, leave this to me. Ah, Beg your pardon. I see I'm not wanted. Wait, I didn't mean... Ah, oh, well, let him go. Lady, what I mean is, would your father and your uncle wish you to be seen in conversation with me? I decide to whom I should speak. They do not. Yes, I can see you do. If I could speak to a man without danger, very likely I should not do it. I can see that, too. But come. Tell me. Tell me about the battle on the river against Van Diel and Karl. Everyone is talking about that. Then you will have heard it already. But not from your own mouth. Is that so different? I think so. It is a man's story. What makes you think that I am not the equal of a man? <laughs> no, but tell me. Was that your brother Kolskeg who went off in a half? Yes. I suppose he thought me very forward. Do you think me very forward? <laughs> if I am, I think you don't dislike it. Um, Algad, tell me something. 
Are you unmarried? Yes. And there is little risk of anybody changing it. Why? Do you consider no one good enough? No. But I may be a little particular about husbands. What would you say if I were to ask you for your hand? You can't be thinking of that. Oh, but I am. Well, then. You will find my father and my uncle in our booth. Speak to them. I do not consider it an equal match. Not equal, brother? How can you say that? He means our enmity is not forgotten. I mean nothing of the sort. I express myself badly. Herschel, I intend to speak freely. Very well. One of us must do so, certainly. Gunnar, we do not wish to deceive you. You are a brave and honourable man. We would welcome your kinship, but Halgert... Go on. It is true she is unmarried, but did she tell you she's been married twice before? No. No, she did not. Thorvald Osvif's son was her first husband. What became of him? My niece is spendthrift and demanding. Thorvald reproached her for it. She provoked him, and he struck her. Her foster father, Thjostolv the Hebridean, settled the account. I've heard of him. He killed many men and paid no compensation. I ought never to have asked him to be her foster father. I misjudged his character. To say the least, considering that he also killed her second husband. How was that? Let me tell you. Theostolf had been living in my house, and he beat one of my servants. I ordered him out. He went to my daughter and beguiled her. Beguiled? She needed no beguiling. She took his part without the slightest hesitation. He that as it may. She persuaded her second husband... Uh, Gloom Olafsson, a very good man, by whom you ought to know she had a child. Brother, I was just coming to that. Unless, of course, she has already told you. No. Well, then, I already have a grandchild... Thorgert. Who takes after her father, fortunately. The long and short is, Gunnar, that my niece cajoled and bullied Gloom till he took Thjastolv in. And then, as everybody knew would happen, the ruffian picked a quarrel and killed his host, after which he had the gall to seek my protection. And did you give it him? Oh, yes, I gave it him. Anyway, as you now see, my niece is something of a mixture. Gunnar... Do not feel yourself beholden. I understand, and I thank you. But as I said, I have already spoken to her. As to what you tell me of her, I do not question it. But as you know, I am not easily provoked. And then, Hrut, as you will recall, I am well able to protect myself. Oh, yes, I recall. Ah, well, I see we might have saved our breath... But, Gunnar, it is you who must face the consequences. And that is how it came about that Gunnar Haumundersson was betrothed to Halgerd. Halgerd Longlegs, as they called her, Huskul Dalakolson's lovely daughter. For whose thief's eyes three men had gone down to their deaths. But Gunnar went home from the Althink in high spirits riding the long way round by Bergthorsfall to tell old Njal about his triumph. Come now, I've told you of a marriage, not a funeral. Gunnar, I know her. She is lawless. She will be nothing but a source of trouble to you and to many more besides. At least she will never break our friendship. She will very nearly do so. 
You will forever be making amends for her. Ah, oh, I knew it. You should never have gone to the Althink. On the contrary, it's the best thing I ever did. Oh, Njal, you can have no idea. We saw each other. It was like a thunderbolt. So much the worse. Oh, Gunnar, don't you see? You are the greatest prize of all the men in Iceland. Therefore, she will have you. But watch you do not disappoint her. You forget that I will have her also. I see that. I see you cannot help yourself. It is your fate. So Gunnar married Halgert before a great gathering of Icelanders. And no one who was present at that wedding would forget it. For on that day the seeds of strife began to swell. Now Njal and Gunnar, on account of their great friendship, invited one another turn and turn about to celebrate an autumn feast. And in the autumn that came after Gunnar's marriage, it fell to Njal to give the feast. So on a clear, bright day, Gunnar and his new bride rode down from Clitorendi and out across the land isles till they came to Bergforskfall. Welcome, Gunnar. Halgert, welcome. I am truly glad to see you here. Please sit down. Gunnar here. Uh, Halgert, this place must be yours. Aha, Helgi, Thorhalla. Here you are at last. We thought you'd forgotten us. I'm sorry, Father. It's a long ride from Tunga, and my father-in-law was reluctant to let us go. If I were Ausgrieben with such a daughter, I would be reluctant too. Now sit down. Bergthara, where is Thorhalla to sit? In her usual place. Ah, Halgert. Move down, please, for my daughter-in-law. Move down? I'll not move down for anyone. It is my house, and you sit where I say. Just as you wish. Good. Now, here is water. Wash, if it please you. <gasps> what are you doing? Let me see the back of your hand. <laughs> as I thought. There isn't much to choose between you and Njal, is there? All your nails are turtle-backed, like claws. And he is beardless. True. And neither of us finds fault with the other for it. Thorvald Osvistsson had a fine beard, if I recall. But that did nothing to prevent Thjostolv the Hebridean from killing him at your behest. What? Gunnar, do you hear that? I hear. What of it? Oh, I see. Much good it does me to be married to the bravest man in Iceland if he doesn't recognise an insult to his wife. Ah! <laughs> we are going home. If you insist on squabbling, woman, do it in your own house, not here. And remember, Njal and his family have done me too much honour. I am too deep in his debt to be provoked by foolish taunts. Come! <laughs> I suppose I have no choice. Big Thora, we have not met for the last time. That will hardly profit you. So Gunnar rode away, and Halgert followed him. For all that she had said, she never came to Bergthorskvold again. In silence they went back to Klitorendi, and all that winter long they stopped at home. Spring came at last, and Halgert bore to Gunnar the first of their two sons. They called him Hukni, a fine, sweet-natured child. In due time she bore his brother, Grani. But Grani was to be his mother's son. Now Njal and Gunnar jointly owned some woodland by the great rock of the Ruithaskritha, where each would take the timber he required, and neither found in the arrangement anything he might object to. 
in the darkless days of June, with both men absent at the Althink. Beg Thora sent her trusted servant Svart to fell some wood, and Halget got to hear of it. Call! Call! I heard you the first time. What do you want? I have some work for you. You see the red as Krida? I'm not blind. Beg Thora's servant Svart is there, stealing wood. Take this axe and find him. And when I find him, what am I to do with him? There's a question from a scoundrel like you. You are to kill him. Well, that's easy enough. But I fear it may cost me my life. Shame on you for a coward. And after all I've done for you. Are you not overseer here? You know I am. Then remember to whom you owe it. Or shall I find someone else for the job? Give me the axe. And call. In case your heart should fail you, I shall send word of Svart's death to the Althink now. So, old Njal, the rule of blood, has it begun? It has begun. Can this, the death of a mere slave, be a beginning? It is enough. One spark is enough when the kindling is dry. Yet you have named the compensation. Gunnar has agreed to pay. The law is satisfied and must prevail, since you, for certain, will not break the settlement. True. But as you know, he and I are not alone in this. The spark has fallen. The pyre stands ready. Listen. Listen. A stranger rides across the marsh to Bergthor's Gwar. Listen. This is how the flames begin to Is this Bergthuskval? It is. Who asks? My name is Ardley. I'm from the East Fjords. Well, Ardley, what do you want? Work. I was advised to see Njal or his son, Skarp Hjedhin. What work are you best at? I'm a ploughman, but I can turn my hand to many things. Such as using a sword? <laughs> I won't conceal it from you. I do have a quick temper. There are many who have cause to remember it. Not to mention others who would do so, if they could. If they were still alive. <laughs> I don't blame a man for not being a coward. Do you have any say here? I am Njal's wife. I have as much say as he in hiring servants. Will you hire me? Very well. But only if you will do whatever I ask. And what might that be? I might send you out to kill a man. You have men enough for that, I think, without me. Those are my conditions. Then I agree. Good. Ah, Skarp Hjedin. This is Ardley from the East Fjords. I have just engaged him. Show him where to stable his horse. Then let him see the farm. Well, Ardley. You look a good sort of man. What can you do? Well, I'm engaged on the understanding that I do whatever your mother asks of me. <laughs> In time he did what he was asked, and Call lay dead. Njal rode with Skarp Hedin to Clitherendi, broke the news to Gunnar, and paid twelve silver pieces compensation. They were the same twelve silver pieces as were paid for Svart. But Halgert overheard the whole transaction. You made a settlement. Ah, I knew you would be listening. 
You made a settlement. Yes, and you were pleased to keep it. You had no right. Call was my overseer. He was mine as well. He was mine first. Ten years that man served me. Much good it did him or you. He was a scoundrel, and but for you I would have sent him packing long ago. I wish now that I had. I demand vengeance for No, I have told you. There is a settlement. Besides, I will do nothing against Njal and his family, and least of all for such as call. I see. You set your allegiance to a beardless maunderer, the repellent troll he's married to, not to mention that mad ruffian Scarp Hedin and his brothers. You set that above me? I give allegiance where I find it, Helgert. I give love, too. Why do I find none in you? But then perhaps I never did. In the spring, Halgert, without Gunnar's knowledge, sent west to Bjarnefjord for her kinsman, Brynjolf the Unruly. He was a scoundrel of a man, but Gunnar could not turn him from his door because of the kinship. It was Brynjolf who, at Halgert's bidding, and while Njal and Gunnar were absent at the Althing, rode to Thoraldsfell where Ardley had been sent to burn some charcoal. There he killed him. There he covered up the body before riding to the nearest farmhouse to report the killing as the law requires. Now Ardley, knowing what his fate might be, had asked Njal for his freedom. Njal, out of pity, granted it and Gunnar compensated him accordingly. You paid a hundred silver ounces for Njal's slave. He was a freed man. <laughs> you and Njal... You're cowards, the pair of you. Time will tell. Time told, but not before it had told other things. A man called Thorth Friedmanson lived at Bergthorsvall. He had been foster father to Njal's sons and loved Njal's kinswoman, Gudvina. He was no killer, yet Bergthora prevailed upon him. Thorth Friedmanson set off for Clidorendi but met with Brynjolf on the way. Defend yourself, Brynjolf! I want no unfair advantage over you! <laughs> now, take time, my hands behind my back, and I'll still finish you! Thus Brynjolf was the fourth to die since Gunnar married Halgert. Herskuld's lovely, captivating daughter. He was the seventh who had gone down to his death because of her. Old Njal, what now? Is this what you foresaw? I knew Brynjolf would die. I did not think that Thorv would be the killer. But Brynjolf must have had a double doom upon him to die at that man's hands. Why, Thorth had never seen blood spilt in all his life, and I don't know what possessed you, father, to let our mother goad him to it. We should have seen to Brynjolf. Helgi, Grim, and I. No, Skarpjedin. It was not the time. If you have your way, it never will be. Oh, yes, your turn will come. But when? There was a man called Sigmund Lampasson, a grandson of Sigfat the Red and one of Gunnar's kin. He returned to Iceland after a long absence with a companion, 
Skjöld the Swede. They landed in the east at Hornefjord and rode until they came to Klidarendi. Certainly you may stay, Sigmund, and welcome. You speak as if you meant it. You are my kinsman. Stay the winter if you choose. I never cease to marvel at the power of kinship. What is there to marvel at? Maybe I have been too long abroad. <laughs> ah, but you won't regret your generosity, Gunnar, that I promise you. They say you lead a dull life here, but I'll tell you such tales of my travels, you'll be sorry when it's spring. We shall be in your debt for that. People here don't understand, but Iceland is on the very edge of creation. Whereas in Denmark now, or Norway... You forget, I too have seen a little of the world. Things change, cousin, things change. You must know that. Denmark today is not the place you knew at all. Well, no doubt you will tell us of the differences. Uh, that is, if you accept my invitation. Oh, I accept, oh yes. <laughs> On one condition. A condition? My friend Skjold must stay as well. I see. From what I've heard, cousin, it seems to me that Skjold does little to moderate your character. An ounce or two of moderation is precisely what you need. Then since you have so much of it yourself, <laughs> no doubt you'll pass a little on to me. Sigmund, this is a difficult house to stay in. I advise you, as I would any visitor, not to heed the promptings of my wife. Many things that Halgad does go directly against my wishes. Warning wards off blame, as the saying goes. Then remember it, for she will test you. And since you ask it of me, Skjöld may stay. Gunnar! Ah, here is Halgat now. A princess! Gunnar, I hear we have guests. Is this one of them? This is my kinsman, Sigmund Lamperson. He and his friend Skjöld will winter with us. Welcome, Sigmund. My lady. It will be good to have a man in the house. Come, present your friend to me. They tell me you have been abroad, the pair of you. Aye, my lady. Kaskik! Is our cousin staying? Yes. I want you to ride to Bergthorsvall. Tell Njal to warn Thor Friedmanson. Let him look to his life. So Sigmund and Skjold made themselves extremely comfortable at Klidarendi. A man called Trauin Sigvusen was also one of the household there. He was Gunnar's uncle but scandalously had divorced his wife at his own nephew's wedding and married Halgert's daughter, Thorgert, in her place. He sometimes thought that this had been an unwise thing to do. I tell you this, Thrawin Sigvason, if you were half the son-in-law you ought to be, you would already have avenged my kinsman, Brynjolf, and Thor Friedmanson would be dead. I've already told you, Halgert, I would do nothing to earn Gunnar's anger. I was his uncle before I was your son-in-law. Besides, Thoth's killing would be soon avenged. <laughs> so that's what stops you. And who would do it, do you think? Old Beardless? I was thinking of his sons. The Njalsons? If they had the stomach for vengeance, they'd have taken it by now. Be that as it may, my mind is made up. As you please. And fortunately, it does not matter either way, mm. since there are men in this house whose blood has not entirely changed to milk and water. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> <A> Sigmund. Hey, <laughs> Skjöl. So that's the way the wind blows, is it? These two good friends have promised they will kill Thor Friedmanson. That's right. We're looking forward to it, aren't we, Skjöl? Like meat and drink. <laughs> but Algat, 
If you want my opinion, I think that as a closer relative than Sigmund, your son-in-law and uncle should be at least present when we do the deed. Why not? What do you say to that, uncle? Does your courage run to it? My courage runs to anything. <laughs> That's not the point. Well, then, this is what the three of you must do. Wait till just before the Althing. Then, Sigmund, mm. you and Skjöld should ride to Hornafjord mm. on the excuse that you must see to Sigmund's ship. Yeah. That way, Gunnar cannot take you with him. Mm. When you come back, Thrawen will be here waiting. Won't you, uncle? And I shall know where Thorth is to be found. I have to tell you, your foster father has been killed. What? Let me finish. I have made a settlement with Gunnar. He has agreed to pay me double compensation. Who killed him? Sigmund Lamposon and Skjöld the Swede. We might have guessed that. Yes, yes, but it was that woman who put them up to it. Halgert, you can be sure. Thrawin Sigvusen was there as well. <laughs> they weren't taking any chances. What does that mean, Thrawin was there? He was a spectator. Oh, was he? No doubt that was her idea as well. Father, how much more of this must we endure? Skarp Yedin, all of you, it is of the greatest importance to me that you do not break this settlement. Then we shall not do so. But I ask you again, how much more? Oh, it will not be long now. And when the time comes, I shall not try to hold you back. Come in. Come in. Welcome. Sit down. Warm yourselves. Thorgerd, fetch cakes and something to drink. Oh, Sigmund. Skjöld. Join us. And you, Thrawin. Uh, what's all this? Thrawin. Hmm. Who are these scarecrows? Bigger women, as you see. Yes, yes, but why does Halgert bring them in? Maybe she's feeling charitable. <laughs> <laughs> Your niece and mother-in-law has many qualities. I have not seen that charity is one of them. What do you say, Skjert? Oh, I agree. Uh, I'll tell you what her reason is. These women go from place to place. Their eyes and ears are sharp. Hmm. They bring news. Then let's hear what they bring today. So, where have you just come from? Oh, well, um... Oh, you can speak freely. My husband is away from home and not expected back today. Well, tell me. We come from Bergthorsvall, lady. Ah, I had a feeling that you might. Old Njarl gave us his barn to sleep the night. How generous. Old Njarl is good to us. Yes, he would be. What else was old Njarl up to? Oh, uh, nothing, lady. He must have been doing something. Oh, yes, lady. He was very busy, sitting still. <laughs> and the Njarl songs, what were they at? Very busy thinking themselves men, I shouldn't wonder. <laughs> They'll have to think a great long time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, lady. Scarpier Dean was sharpening his axe. Was he indeed? He and his brothers must be planning some great feat of arms. What do you think, Sigmund? Let them plan, I say. Oh, they look big than Jarlson's lady, but they've never been put to the test. They are nothing. But tell me, what were Njarl's servants doing? Oh, we saw that right enough. They were carting dung out to the fields. <laughs> to make the hay grow well, Njarl said. <laughs> Old Njarl would do better carting dung to his own chin. He might sprout a beard, even at his age. <laughs> his sons have beards enough. Oh, why? We saw him spreading dung on him, didn't we, girls? <laughs> <laughs> Sigmund, you're something of a poet, so I've heard. I don't know about poet. I can manage a bit of doggerel. Well, now, here's a theme for you. Old Beardless and his sons. 
Let's hear what you can do. Yes, uh, yes. Go on, give us a rhyme. Yeah. Give well, us a rhyme. Uh, if you like. Sigmund, don't do this. Well, no. This is not the moment to insult the Njalsons. There is a settlement, remember? They won't find out. You can't be sure. And even if they do one of it, they don't amount to anything. Listen, no, no, I no, know no. Listen, Uncle. If you don't like it, you just sit and watch. You're very good at that. What are you three doing? Are we to have a rhyme or not? A rhyme! <laughs> a rhyme! All right! I'm thinking about it. Give me time. Now then, old beardless, is it? Yes. Yes, yes. Beards and no beards. Yes. <laughs> uh, see what you think of this. A beard, they say, is, is manhood's bloom. Without a bloom, you get no seed. <laughs> now then, yes. <laughs> no seed, no crop. So pray with whom did sweet Bergthora do the deed? <laughs> <laughs> more, more! So give us another thing. All right, all right. I'll need to think about it. Hey, hey, give us one about the Nelson. I was huh? going to, but I'll do better if you all keep quiet. That's more like it. The Nelsons, yes, yes. The sons of Njal. The sons of Njal. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The sons of Njal, on manhood bent, and fearful lest they prove unfit, bedaub their chins with excrement. <laughs> and that is why they reek of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you're not much of a poet, but you're certainly a treasure. <laughs> Gunnar, you're home then. As you see. Sigmund, you are a fool. Why? What have I done? I heard what you said, every word, and who put you up to it. What of it? May we not laugh in this house now? You and I will talk about that later. Sigmund, listen to me. And you, skilled, listen. Did I not warn you? And yet you mock the Njalsons. You mock Njal himself. Have you not done enough? Come, man, it was a joke. There are no jokes. Not anymore. Ah, who will hear of it? Skilled, you're an even greater fool than he is. Don't you see these women? Can't you guess where they will go from here? Cousin, this joke will cost you your life. Bergthora, why do you not eat? Is that all you have to say? Is that all you can think about, any of you? Skarpjedin, Grim, Helgi, little dung beards. That's what they're calling you. And that is why they reek of shit. By my life, does nothing move you? Mother, we are not women to fly into a rage at anything. Anything? Anything? Oh, I see. Your honour, your good names are just anything. Listen to me, Skarpjedin. Listen, all of you. Even Gunnar, Gunnar slow to anger, even he flew into a rage on your behalf. Well, well, he must have known you would never do it for yourselves. And he was right. You will never avenge anything. 
Not even an insult to your mother's reputation. How did it go? Oh, yes. So pray, with whom did sweet Bagthora do the deed? Stop! Where are you going, Scarpiadine? To look for sheep. Green, Helgi. You do not need spears for that. Let's say we're going to fish for salmon, then. Are you resolved on it? In that case, do not let your catch escape. In Gunnar's Slow to Anger, the first part of David Wade's dramatization of Njal's saga, Bernard Hepton was Njal and Struan Roger Gunnar. Maureen O'Brien was Halgiev Longlegs, Maggie McCarthy, Berg Thora, and Vincent Brimble and Andrew Branch, Grimm and Helgi Njalsson. Skarp Yaddin was played by Robert Glenister, Thrawin Sigfusson by John Church, Kolskiek by David Googe, and Herskul Dalla Colson and Ruth Herjolfsson by John Bull and David King. Other parts were played by Alice Arnold, Ken Cumberledge, Anna Cropper, Paul Downing, Joe Dunlop, Donald G, Brian Miller, Ian Target, and Joan Walker. The narrators were Norman Rodway and Barbara Jefford. The music was by David Chilton and Nick Russell Pavier. The Tree of Strife is directed by Jeremy Mortimer. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.